Hello and welcome again to our daily devotional podcast. Yesterday we talked about God, the master planner, who worked in a had a, a huge plan before him. That he assigned Peter a role, he assigned Paul a role, and even as he assigned Paul a role, he gave instructions as to where Paul was to preach and where Paul was not to go to, through visions, through the inner prompting of the Holy Spirit. We saw then yesterday how God had the whole picture, the large picture in his mind, and he was simply directing Paul and the other apostles as to how to minister. That was the macro view. Today we want to see further that God not only has the big picture, the macro view, but that God also has the micro view, that he looks into the details, that he guides his servants, his apostles, into the little details of how they would start a church, of how they would reach out to particular persons and make a difference in their lives. Not only in their lives, but to make a difference to establish churches in places that had none. We want to look then today at the conversion of Lydia. It's from it's found in Acts chapter 16, and I'll read from verse 11 to 15. Acts chapter 16, verse 11 to 15. Let us pray. Almighty God, you are truly an awesome and powerful God. You see all of our lives, both in the large picture of eternity, of history, from the time that Abraham was chosen, but you also look at the little pictures of how each of us is ministered to and how you begin little ministry, begin from little acts of ministry to build churches, to reach people. Father, even as we read and meditate on this word, we ask that you not only fill us with awe at you, but that you will call us to be a part of this mighty and awesome work of yours. That whether it is in small ways or in large ways, we will yield to you, we will want you to use us as you please. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Acts chapter 16 verse 11 to 15. So, setting sail from Troas, we made a direct voyage to Samothrace, and the following day to Neapolis, and from there to Philippi, which is the leading city of the district of Macedonia and the Roman colony. We remained in this city some days, and on the Sabbath day we went outside the gate to the riverside, where we supposed there was a place of prayer, and we sat down and spoke to the women who had come together. One who heard us was a woman named Lydia from the city of Thyatira, a seller of purple goods who was a worshipper of God. The Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul, and after she was baptized in the household as well, she urged us, saying, If you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. And she prevailed upon us. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So Paul and Silas and Timothy entered Philippi. They had been called by God through a vision to go to Macedonia. And Philippi was the first city, the leading city, Roman city in Macedonia. But they hadn't a single clue as to how to start a church or how to minister. After all, the person who appeared to Paul in the vision was just a vision. He wasn't a real person. There was no contact. 
There was nobody that Paul could meet. As was Paul's usual custom, he would have gone to synagogue, as we see earlier on, how he would start by preaching to the Jews and to the converts to Judaism in synagogues. But apparently there was no synagogue in Philippi. In fact, it seems as though the city and the inhabitants of the city were hostile to Jews. Later on, and you look at that um, on Monday, people seemed to be uh, opposed to Jews. In verse 19 of this chapter, it says that Paul and Silas were dragged through into the marketplace before the rulers. And when the people had brought them to the magistrates, they said, These men are Jews and they are disturbing our city. They advocate customs that are not lawful for us as Romans to accept or practice. So the people in Philippi were opposed to the practice of Judaism, saw that these were and these the practices of the Jews were against the Roman laws and Roman customs. So clearly, people of Philippi rejected the Jewish presence and also rejected a synagogue. So how was Paul to start a ministry like that? Well, he heard that outside the city gates was a house of prayer. A house of prayer would probably be just a gathering of people where there would not, it would not be a synagogue because the synagogue needed believing men. The house of prayer then was a kind of a lowered down, um, lo- a lower form of a synagogue. And when Paul went there, he of course realized why, that there were a group of women praying. And so, well, let's start there. He started there. And one of the women, uh, Lydia, a God-fearing worshipper, a person who worshipped God, meaning that she was not really a convert to Judaism, but she was probably attracted to the monotheism in Judaism or some reason. She was attracted to Judaism and so she went and joined the other women to listen. What was Lydia like? We have a few clues as to what her life was like or who she was. There isn't much detail about it. Her name Lydia could have been uh, a common name for many people there. But she was probably a woman of means and of influence. Some of these clues tell us that. First, she was a trader in purple goods. Purple goods would be like clothes, cushion covers, luxury goods. When she was described as a seller of purple, distributor of purple goods, it was a description that she was a seller of luxury goods. Tatira was known for two dyes. First, a cheaper red dye that was used by the poor and a far more expensive purple dye that was only used by the very rich. The fact that she was able to afford to buy expensive dye to dye her, her products shows that she was a woman of some means. She also owned a house that was large enough to house um, Timothy and Silas and perhaps some of the other brothers. Because in verse 40 of this chapter, after Peter had left the prison, he went back and visited Lydia and then went to see the brothers and encourage them. Seems as though the Christians then would gather in Lydia's house. This would 
then appeared that Lydia was a woman of means. But it also seems as though Lydia was a woman of authority at least, because in the custom, in the culture then, most women would be referred to by the, hus- uh, by the husband's names or would have sought permission from the husbands. But Lydia obviously was an independent woman. After she was baptized in the household as well, in verse 15, she said to Paul and Silas, If you have judged me faithful, come to my house and stay. That's not the usual way one would um, talk about a household. Usually it would be the man of the house, the head of the house, inviting the disciples. But here was just mentioned Lydia and no one else. One could speculate that she was probably either a widow or a divorcee. But we go further than that. We can suspect that perhaps Lydia was one of the earliest Christian believers and may have been one of those instrumental in nurturing the church in Philippi. The church in Philippi, though poor, was a powerful church. It was God-loving, God-fearing, and there was the Holy Spirit was working mightily there. One would suspect that Lydia was one of the founders, if not the first one, to nurture that church. We see that in verse 40 again, that after, after Paul had been released, Paul and Silas had, had left the jail, that they went to, visit, went to visit Lydia and the brothers there. Lydia may have housed the brothers, may have started a church there, and as they were encouraged to go on, Lydia, being found faithful by the Lord, was the one who nurtured them. What about this person, Lydia? What was her character like? First, it says that it hints that Lydia was a faithful believer. She says in verse 15, as she urged Paul and his team, If you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. What you are saying is this, that if you think that I'm worthy, if you think that I am faithful to the Lord and I'm one of the brethren, then invite, then come and stay with me. And obviously, Paul and his team stayed with her. It says she prevailed upon us. And so this whole team, I don't know how many, but Paul, Silas, Timothy, and perhaps some others stayed in her house. But they clearly found that she was a faithful woman. What's more, this is the only contact we have, connection we have to the church of Philippi, that this woman, Lydia, would be mentioned by name. She must have been a powerful, influential person in the church in Philippi. And she was faithful. Not only was she faithful, but she was also very courageous. If this was indeed a time when Christians and Jews were persecuted and were treated in a host- regarded in a hostile way by the people in Philippi, then it must have been pretty dangerous for, for Lydia to house Paul and his team. In fact, when Paul and his team were jailed, she kept some other brethren in her home. And when Paul was released, he went over to visit Lydia. In the midst of a city that was opposed and hostile to Christianity and to Judaism, Surely, Lydia would have needed a lot of courage to have continued to nurture the church. So this was 
the idea. But what does it say then about God and His ways? First of all, we might say that Paul wasn't as much a male chauvinist as many of us regard him to be. Remember when Paul said to the church in Corinth that they should that women should not preach and all that. Perhaps that only applied to the church in Corinth. Because clearly when he ministered, when when Lydia became a believer, Paul didn't treat her anything like a second class Christian. He visited her home. It did, the Bible didn't have to record that, but it says he visited her home the moment he was released from prison. There he met the brothers and then he encouraged them. Paul obviously had a very high regard for Lydia. He didn't think of her as subhuman or, or someone lower than the men. But we look then at the ways of God. God had called Paul to Macedonia. God had planted Paul then in Philippi, a city hostile to Jews and to Christians, with no synagogue, no starting point. All Paul did was to go out to a house of prayer and do whatever was familiar with him. He preached the gospel. And God engineered that. Remember the, the, how God made a detour, forced Paul to make a detour to, stop, to not to stay in Asia and preach to avoid Bithynia so that he would rush over to Macedonia so that he would meet a woman like Lydia. So that Lydia would believe in God and be faithful to the gospel. And so that Lydia then might likely have been the first one, the shepherd of the flock in Philippi. Sit back and just watch the way that God moves circumstances and people. It's truly amazing. But what is called of Paul and what is called of us then is to do what is necessary, to take steps even when we do not understand what is happening or do not know the significance of what is happening. Paul was not shy to talk to women even though in the culture then, women would, one would expect that women did not have as much influence, were of not much use, and yet Paul just reached out. It tells us something about the way we are called to minister. We really don't know who might be the next evangelist or the next great person who will start a church, or the next person whom God would use. But we are simply instruments when we obey God to minister. In Ephesians chapter 5, verse 16, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 16, Paul says, Make every, seize every opportunity, for these are evil times. What we're called then is to take every opportunity to do good, to share the gospel, to minister to people, whatever chance we have. And this is what the writer to the Hebrews says in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 1 to 3. Keep on loving one another as brothers and sisters. Do not show, forget to show hospitality to strangers, for by so doing, some people have shown hospitality to angels without knowing it. 
continue to remember those in prison as if you were together with them in prison, and those who are mistreated as if you yourselves were suffering. Here, the writer to Hebrews was talking about ministering to three categories of people who were disadvantaged, who did not seem to be people of influence, or people who could advance the church. First were the strangers. Anyone who comes into this town walks by and has nowhere to stay. Show hospitality to them because they could well be angels. This was an allusion to the angels who visited Abraham. But show hospitality to them, acts of kindness. Care for those in prison and care also for those who have been mistreated. Empathize with them, protect them, minister to them. It's almost like God's call to us to show random acts of kindness, not knowing what the result will be, but just loving people wherever we are. One of my best evangelists in death row in prison, Leong, told me the story of how he became a Christian even before he met me. He recalled that as he was arrested, when he was arrested and put in remand just before his trial, he was very distraught, of course. And he had flashbacks, but the things that he remembered were unusual. He remembered one incident when he was young and brash and arrogant and successful. He was really quite a successful man in the beginning. He was approached by a young man who wanted to share the four spiritual laws with him. Leong was very um, impatient with him. Nevertheless, he gave him five minutes to this young man, five minutes to just run through the four spiritual laws, after which Leong chased him away and said, you're wasting my time. At that time, nothing seemed to register to him. But strangely, as he sat in prison in remand, it wasn't just the incident that came to his mind, but he realized that he remembered everything that this young man had told him from the four spiritual laws. I mean, at that time, Leong didn't even register what this man had said, but even as he sat in jail, he could recall the things that had been shared with him, shared to him by this young man. And then one day while still in remand, a prisoner, another young prisoner, bumped into him, almost as though on purpose. As that man stepped backwards, he shoved a Bible into Leong's hands and said, Read this. And then he vanished. He just walked off and Leong never saw him again. But that was the start of Leong's yearning to know a God who was there. And so while waiting for his trial, he read the Bible and then he gave his life to Jesus. So by the time he had been sentenced to death and I was with him, he had already been given his life to Jesus and he was a Christian. But how amazing these stories are. And yet they are not really unusual stories. Many of you would have experienced something like that too. The way that God reached out to you, or the way that you were used to reach out to others. And often it took simply acts, random acts of kindness. I have a friend who makes it his makes it his goal, his daily routine that he would be a blessing to one person a day. Whatever the circumstance, wherever he is, whatever he's doing, 
he asked for God's privilege that he might minister to one person a day. I think that's a very wonderful aim in life. It need not be planned and strategic because often we can't plan and strategize. Sometimes we can, but often they have to be random. But when we see a stranger in need, perhaps to stretch out, to reach out and say something, to do something, to care. Because who knows what these people may be. And more than that, we don't know what God's master plan is, that through us, he may reach someone else, who through that person, a church may, a church may grow, people, more people, may know about Jesus, others may be ministered to. God is the master planner. But his call to us is that we take every opportunity, we seize every opportunity to care for, to express love, wherever possible to share the good news of Jesus Christ. And know then that this God, our master planner, has a lot of miracles up his sleeve and that he will bring people to himself. Let us pray. Father, what an amazing story this is about Lydia, seller of in Thyatira. How you guided Paul in his journey. How this woman heard your word and then decided, resolved in her heart to follow you. How she then used whatever she had, her wealth, her influence, to build a church, to nurture a church that flourished. God, we pray for ourselves. We pray that each day you also use us in miraculous ways to minister to others. That though we cannot see the big picture at this point, we may by faith know that you are the master builder, the master planner, that everything that is done in your name will never come back void, but that it will bear fruit for your kingdom. We ask then, Lord, encourage us each day, whether there are random acts of kindness or whether they're planned acts of kindness that will avail ourselves as instruments of your grace instruments of your gospel we ask in jesus name amen well then you have a great weekend lord bless you thank you and goodbye